Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast, where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. I've got a friend of mine now. I don't want you to hold this against her, but she's in New York. Um, we met we met through networking circles, and she seems pretty awesome. She's an, an expert on communications and public speaking, and her name is Diane D. Resta. Did I pronounce that right? I don't know if there's so many. Resta, yes. Resta, yes. Diane De Resta. Well, we're welcoming you to the show. So Thank welcome. You. Good to be here. How are you? How's your pandemic I am going? Good. I am dealing with it the same way everybody else is. And by the way, just to make things a little better, I do have a cousin who lives in Boston. Oh, okay. Whereabouts? Some kind of connection. Boston proper? He, um, he, I think he's downtown or nearby. He works for the Brooklyn. I mean, the uh, Boston VA. Okay. That's cool. All right. We'll let you into the club for today, for sure. Okay, just for For today. Diana, I should also mention, is the author of Knockout Presentations, How to Deliver Your Message with Power, Punch, and Pizzazz, available on Amazon. Uh, any other books, or is that was that your only book so far? That That is That's my cool. best-selling book. It was my first book. It's in its third edition. You can get it in uh, Barnes & Noble. You can get it online. I did write an e-book after that called Give Fear the Finger, and it's <laughs> book only, and it's, yeah, it's you have to be from New York to appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It's really about fear-based uh, techniques. So it's all about the confidence piece. Whereas knockout presentations is everything from soup to nuts, mm-hmm. delivery, Q&A, uh, structure, all of that. So you break down the pieces of a meeting, not, not even so much how to be confident during uh, presentation or speech or whatever, but uh, give somebody a game plan, I guess is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a chapter and they are called listener centered communication and there's a step-by-step template. So all you need to do is fill in the blanks and you can pretty quickly organize a talk, whether it's a meeting update or if it's a, a full stand-up speech. Why do you, th- why do you think people are afraid of speaking? I, I know that this is, this is um, something you hear a lot that the, the number one fear of people the number two fear of people is dying and the number one fear of people most people is public speaking so they'd rather be dead so why <laughs> yes well here's what I, I know that's the jerry seinfeld joke right right i did a an informal anecdotal survey when i first wrote the book and i asked that question of people i knew and i would get comments like well all eyes are on me well, what if i trip oh, you know, I hate being in the spotlight. Oh, it's embarrassing. And so when I looked at the answers, the underlying theme or the thread was fear of humiliation. And I think that's really what it comes down to. 
And now with neuroscience, we know that humiliation causes a lot of pain. And so uh, people will avoid it at all costs. So what I do with people is I give them the recovery, not only the cool's tools, but the recovery strategy so that if they're in a compromised position, they know how to work their way out of it. I saw a clip on you on being interviewed Uh by some TV personality, and you actually were demonstrating something with your hand, how to some pressure point you could, do you remember this? Yes, I do. So I'm, I'm impressed that you, that you, it seems like you incorporate science in what you do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, tell, what was that hand thing? (laughs) <laughs> it was an acupressure point. It was uh, at the time it was WPIX Channel 11 New York Television. Anyway, if you take your tall finger, so the, the one next to your index finger, your tallest finger. In Boston, we call that your middle finger. Yes, right. I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> okay. but that, that is what it is. But you're yes. not going to use it that way. Okay. What you're going to do is press down right below the knuckle. So where the the finger is attached. Mm-hmm knuckle that place that fleshy place take your thumb and press down on it not against the bone but against the fleshy part yeah well against the bone yeah you get some of the bone too okay yes so it's so that you feel pressure okay it's an acupressure point that has to do with feeling confident with with uh calming and Mm. i believe i believe this might go to the heart i'm not 100 percent sure i have Mm. to read my own material. But by pressing that, it helps you to feel more confident. So in a pinch, you, you know, you can have your hand under the table and press on that. And that should give you a temporary calm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So the middle finger is versatile. I mean, you can use it for hatred. Yeah. You can use it to calm down too. <laughs> yes, um, for confidence. For, yes. Com- for confidence. So, so that's, that's interesting. When most, give us an example of what, um, typical client comes to you and maybe has a lot of presentations lined up in the future. You work with them and then tell us like what the tra- the, the transformation, maybe a success story of someone who was a complete sure. blithering, you know, mess. And then by the end they're, you know, JFK. <laughs> All right. Well, not everybody's a blithering mess, but yeah. I will tell you, I'll give you an example of not the typical person, but it was an interesting story. Sure. It was a senior law student. And her mother-in-law knew me from a networking group, and she gave me as a gift to her daughter-in-law mm. to coach her because she was going to drop out of law school. She was so terrified of speaking. Mm. So I worked with her, and then as a result, she was able to feel more confident, get up and present, and she graduated from law school, and she's a successful lawyer today. But here's what we know, David, at least this is what I know. Fear begins in the mind. It really is an inside job. And so I work on two levels very simply. I always work on mindset and skill set. So you can have skills. You might know what you're supposed to do. But if your mind is racing and you have no confidence, you're going to sabotage that performance. So I, when I work with people, I start with limiting beliefs. We get them out on the, pa- on the table. They write them down. And then we start to rework them. I do a lot of work in reframing, meaning I help people think differently about what they're doing. So let's take this law student. She had this belief that she wasn't clear. She wasn't a good communicator. Anytime her law professor didn't understand her. And I said, well, listen, communication is a two-way process. He has a filter through which things come and you have a filter. So if he's not understanding, that's just an indication that you need clarification. So you Mm -hmm. use the skill of clarifying. So she started to think, oh, well, maybe I'm not a total screw up. 
It's just that we have different ways of communicating. Mm. So those are the kinds of things. I typically, when I'm coaching, I'm working with a senior level person, either a, a leader or an executive. And uh, it's especially challenging sometimes for women who become senior executives and they, because they have to change the way they present themselves. So I had a woman referred to me who was now a CEO of a spinoff of a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. She was a rock star. She had six promotions in nine years. She was loved. Her team was great. But now she was dealing with the chairman and the board. And she couldn't have that effusive, mm. you, know, you know, engaging kind of presentation. So she had to learn how to have a certain kind of gravitas, tone it down. And when that happens, sometimes people are resistant because they feel like they're changing who they are and they're not authentic. So here's where the reframing comes in. People need to understand that we have a bandwidth. And sometimes we're using only a very narrow band. But we talk to our children differently from our spouses, from our bosses, from our friends. And so it's, how do I need to show up differently so this person, this group, understands And so that I have credibility. So once people get that concept, the next step is to help them learn how to get into that new behavior. I work with the body, I work with the voice, and I work with their words. Mm. Um, Do you get into content? I mean, will you listen to somebody's speech and say, you know, move the second part to the end or, or things like that? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. And I actually, I'm giving a webinar these days called Communicate More by Saying Less, How to Get to the Point, because that's a huge issue for many people, even at higher levels. But yes, there are times when you just need to uh, take the second paragraph and make that yeah. the first, or they don't have a good hook. Mm. Most people present by saying, today I want to tell you about, and nobody cares. So I help people find that opening hook to get people yeah, what do you? I'm, I'm always um, fascinated by the opening line of a speech because it can fail and it can, and it can send you you know right to the top. In other words, if it's something that immediately makes you intrigued, you know I like the ones where it's like you know my client Sandy walked into the office one day holding a leather bag and she said you're not going to want to see what's in this. Now let me back up and tell you how I met Sandy. Well. I'm going to stick around to find out what's in the bag, right? right. (laughs) So that technique actually has a name. It's called salting. So what you're doing is you're salting someone's curiosity, but you don't give it to them right away. And they have to listen until the end. Mm. And I I know a friend who's a professional speaker as well. And the meeting planner warned him. He said, look, you know, just know that people leave early. They don't stay for the whole thing. And he was very challenged. So he did exactly said, but I'm not going to tell you the answer to that until the end. And everybody stayed in their seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your opening is very important. Uh, I had a friend who was giving a um, continuing legal education panel discussion in, in Boston. And they, the panel showed up and they just had a light crowd. There was literally like half a dozen people. But but they were told, you know, people were watching on the on the Internet on by, via, you know, a webcam. And um, but by the end of the talk, there were zero people. The last person got up and left. And finally, my friend was like, Does any, is anyone going to recognize what's going on? There's no one here anymore. Like, should we keep going? Anyway, that's a, that's a nightmare story. Um, and as far as like um, soothing nerves, you've talked about a couple things already. 
But what what are other tips you give people? Is the picture is the uh, picture of the audience in their underwear thing? Is that passe? Or is that, can it, that it's work? passe, but yeah. sometimes you know, or say it anyway. The yeah. the reason you say that is because here's what people do: they give the audience so much power, and they're on your side. This is what people don't understand. Unless you know you're going into a hostile situation, the audience wants you to succeed. They're there for a reason, and they feel badly when you know you hit like a singer hits a bad note. People yep. cringe. So they're on your side. So don't give them so much power. And here's the, the mind shift that needs to happen. It's not about you. It's about them. So get over yourself. And I say that to people because if you're being very nervous, then you're being self-centered because your thoughts are me, myself, and I. Oh, I hope I don't trip. Oh, I hope I don't have brain fog. So forget about it. What, what you, where your focus needs to be is on the audience. What can I say to make them feel comfortable? How can I engage them today? Because they're a little nervous too before you actually say your opening words. So put your focus on them and know that they're on your side. But in my book, chap, I think it's chapter three in knockout presentations called Fear Fixes. There are actually four areas of remedies, physical, mental, behavioral, and chemical. And I also have that in the give fear the finger book as well. So there are a number of things that you can do. How about when it comes to presentations, tell me some mistakes that people make. Because usually when someone's doing a PowerPoint, it's like a running joke that the thing is going to malfunction at least once during the presentation. Sometimes that's <laughs> sometimes not the fault of the speaker. But t- tell me as far as using slides and using graphics and other things, what kind of mistakes do people make? Well, first of all, you have information overload, and that's verbally as well as visually. And so the fewer words and the more pictures or graphs you have, the better. Sometimes people have too many slides, but here's something that people don't know. The world has changed. So when you are doing virtual presentations, you actually want more slides than fewer. And here's why. If you stay on one slide and talk for one minute, people are tuning out and they're they're reading their phones. So you need to keep it moving every few seconds. The faster, the more change you have, the better when it's an online presentation. Yeah, I take it so, that I take it that's because the person has little incentive to even look up at their computer because chances are no one's watching them, right? It, whereas a, right. with a live event, you're not exactly going to take out a newspaper, <laughs> someone would notice, you know. Exactly. Yep. So what you want to do there, if you're if you're a virtual presenter, and most of us are these days, you want to have a lot more interaction. And I was on one call where every time I wanted to check my phone, they were asking us to do a survey or a poll. <laughs> so get people involved mm. right away, mm-hmm. right from the start. I would start with a poll or a question and uh, get engagement. Yeah, you can use, there are a lot of apps you can use for that, but I've done a couple of online trivia games for for friends and one connected to a podcast, but we used Kahoot, which I think is the most popular uh-huh. one. Kahoot, yes. That's Kahoot with a K. Not a sponsor of this mm-hmm. show, but I do recommend it. Um, and it's it's fun. And even so, even if you're doing it for presentation purposes and you think, well, I don't need people to vote on anything. It's like, I suppose with any presentation, you could incorporate it. You could say, you know, if you're 
lecturing about the dangers of drunk driving, you could say, guess, you know, how many lives are lost each year. And then not, a fun, not, not a fun topic, but, but it would be interesting to see what people think. And then you show the real answer, you know, so. And, and to have fun. Yeah. I was in a networking group recently and they had a beard contest because obviously people are not shaving during this time. Mm-hmm. And the, so the men were participating and they had who looks most like Sigmund Freud, who looks most <laughs> like Salvador Dali, who right. looks like Caesar Augustus. It was a lot of fun and people voted. Yep. So, um, one of the mistakes people make is being a talking head. You know, they mm-hmm. just dump data and dump data instead of being real and authentic and having a relationship and mm-hmm. a connection with their audience. You've mentioned a couple of things, so, but I'm, I am wondering more about how our, our world is changing because inevitably the, the Zoom calls are not going to stop immediately, you know, in a month from now or two months from now or, or maybe even a year from now. So what are... Um, You've mentioned a couple of things already, so I don't, I don't want to make you repeat yourself, but are there other things that, that pe- mistakes that m- people make on Zoom calls that really should be cleaned up? Well, the eye contact is a big one because if you want to look eye to eye, you really need to look at the lens. So right now I'm looking at my lens, but I can't see you. I know out of the corner of my eye, you just nodded. <laughs> no, but it's hard. Yeah, it really I know. is hard, Dave, because I want to connect like this. I want yeah. to see your face and facial expressions. So that's one of the biggest challenges people have. And also being facile with the tools, you know, practicing the polling or the breakout rooms and things of that nature. And then the other thing right now with Zoom is the security. I've been on a couple of calls where we got Zoom bombed. Really? Yes. And it wasn't pretty. (laughs) What Um, was it? Something horribly offensive? I mean, yes, it was. Uh, Well, there were two things. One, we had a guest speaker and all of a sudden we hear, I hate you, Jim. F you, Jim. And then showed porn, video porn. So that was really horrible. The most recent one, this guy was clever. He was hijacking real people's names. So he might use Diane DeResta and then he would say something not so nice to the host. And so she would have to take me out of the room, even though I'm legitimate. So we finally figured it out. So that's knowing how to deal with that. That's, oh boy, that's, that's horrible. Not, not good. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, some and you know you mentioned we well we were talking before we got started about how you have a, a, a lovely background that features some cherry blossoms back there. Mm-hmm. You know I here I'm in my home now, but I've retrofitted this so that it's um, a sort of mini studio with soundproofing, so people know I'm the podcast guy. There are some people that apparently have, they put no thought into the <laughs> they put. And I mean, there was a guy on a call I was on a networking call. And, I mean, he was one of of many. There are a couple dozen people on the call, but he had. He was clearly in his basement and behind him there was like a door that was open and you could see there was storage like it was mm-hmm. it was like it like a bicycle like all askew and everything and uh-huh. it was a mess and I, I it's like it, probably all he had to do was shut the door but he, it, it, it didn't occur to him for some reason. And Dave, then the, that's why I have yeah. this screen. Yeah. <laughs> right, the screen it, it's, can't it's fail. like Japanese rice paper right. and has a beautiful cherry blossom design. But I speaking to that, that backdrop is a huge mistake that people make yeah. on virtual presentations. I just interviewed someone for a summit and we had the hour to do the interview. Little did I know that he had a messy office, papers all over, on the floor, as you said, you know, mm. door open. And my friend, at, after I finished, she said, you know, it was a really good interview, but 
it's a shame he had such a mess. And I said, well, I couldn't tell him to clean up his room. We didn't have it. <laughs> right. So now, you know, that, that was a learning opportunity for me because as the interviewer, I will get on the phone and say, let me see your background before mm. we begin. Right. Right. So it's, it's important. Or I had somebody, an executive who has a ceiling fan mm-hmm. and the whole time you're watching that. So I said, can you lower your laptop a bit? So we don't see that distraction. Right. And the other thing, before we started talking, you adjust, you adjusted your microphone to make sure that you sounded crystal clear. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how they sound. Like, I mean, you can, there's the function on Zoom, you can test your audio and just listen okay. to the clarity and listen to how loud it is. You know, um, yeah, I'm using the, the Pod 617 microphone, so I've got an unfair advantage, but you can buy, you know, a good USB microphone for 80 bucks or so, maybe even less. Mm-hmm. You can buy a camera for, you know, uh, probably about 50, 60 bucks. Um, and I think more and more people, at, at one point, I, you know, we send microphones out to our uh, clients, the people we produce podcasts for. And at one point I was having trouble finding them because there was a run on these microphones yes. for obvious reasons. But, you know, put your best foot forward. So absolutely. Um, Diane DeResta, by the way, all the info at DeResta.com. That's D I R E A. I can't spell D I R E S T A dot com. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you, Diane? That is the best way. Okay. Absolutely. All right. In a minute, we're going to play a round of good stuff where both Diane and I will recommend something good to help get you through the remaining days of these pandemic, however many there may be. Before we do that, let me take a brief moment to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. Would you like your own podcast? Now's actually a good time to do it. You get, you know you got a little time on your hands, folks, just sitting at home. We'll send you out a quality USB microphone, just of the kind I was just speaking. Um, on the house, if you work with us and let us produce your podcast, Soup to Nuts, all the guests can be patched in remotely and you could be the next podcast star. Go to pod617.com in pod we trust. And by the way, if you'd like to be a guest on this show, no fee, no strings attached. If you've got an interesting story to tell, particularly if you are a restaurant owner or some kind of vendor, somebody whose business is struggling a little bit during this pandemic, you want to keep the word out that you're still kicking, still open for business. Email me, david at pod617.com. We'll get you on this show. It'll be a dream come true for you to be on the Boston Podcast. Right, Diane? Right? Yes. (laughs) No, it's a a great podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I I accept it. Let's play a round of good stuff. That's the good stuff. You get extra applause, Diane, because Diane was was dancing during the, yes, the sound was. sting, and so you win. Usually, people that don't even budge, I um, I call them out and humiliate them. Why weren't you dancing? Most guests dance, of course. Oh, anyway, but I, uh, I have to move. Well, right here. the B fifty twos. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, all right. So, do you have something for our listeners, Diane? Something cool or something that you've seen or experienced that has gotten you through these weeks and months? Well, it's not something that you'll see, but it's it's advice. What I just mm-hmm. did, dancing really helps. You need to you move your body, especially when you're quarantined and you're in a crowded space. So if sometimes I start my day with music. I go to YouTube and I play something that has a beat and I stand up and I move because what you're doing is you're getting your energy going and you're changing your whole outlook and your your mindset. So do do something like that and have rituals. I have because it gives you a sense of consistency. So I also start my morning with a guided meditation that I have on an app. 
I, I do my prayers and then I, you know, watch the news mm-hmm. <laughs> for as I can take. And then I, I get down to work. So have those rituals. And one of the things that is very restorative, at least for me, is going to the park. I live in Staten Island. There are a number of parks. There are beautiful flowers. I go there. I walk. I sit. It really helps calm my nerves and fill my soul. Now, the other thing I learned recently is there's something about grounding to the earth. If you take your shoes off and you walk barefoot in the grass for about 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. that's also supposed to help you physically and emotionally. The worst thing you can do is to be around a lot of electronics because it really zaps your energy. Hard to do right now because we're all on Zoom calls, but the more you can be away from electronics and into nature, the more calm and happy happier you're going to be. Yeah, I think you're right. And we can't, you know, you can't go... Well, a lot of things outdoors you can still do. I'm trying to think of it. You can't go to an outdoor concert, obviously, because there aren't any right now for the most part. But you can go, you know, I started, uh, I'm going to play tennis with my son tomorrow. We never play mm-hmm. tennis, but it's something you can do. You know, I threw a Frisbee yeah. I threw a frisbee around with them the other day because he, well, he digs that. He was showing me how to throw the Frisbee. His, he was the captain of the ultimate Frisbee team in his school. Oh. And they, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have the season, of course. Well, see, those are things you can do. Frisbee tennis because you're six feet apart as long as you don't have crowds there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been looking for is a drive-in movie and we don't have it, but that would be perfect because our safe space is the car. Nobody else is in that car except my husband and myself. So we're pretty safe there. And I thought, wouldn't that be a perfect night out? But yeah, I had heard that a couple were opening, but they weren't around me either. But you're right that let's get back to the the drive-ins and, you know, maybe maybe even, you know, a year from now, there'll be more of those drive-ins open. I used to love that going to, as a kid, it was fun. The -hmm. only, the only downside Mm -hmm. to it is as a kid, like the movies don't start until like eight, right? Because Um, you have to wait till it gets dark. Right. But (laughs) maybe with technology now, they should figure out a way to, to show them during the the day, you know, like it's possible. It's just a way to get out. So I would encourage people, the more you can get out, the better, even if it's, if you have a car taking a drive, without any real destination, but just getting out, putting the windows down, mm-hmm. the, all of those things help you. Absolutely. That's a good and call. Stay connected with people. I am on so many networking calls these days and I'm loving it because with virtual, you can meet people from out of state. So don't hibernate, extend your reach and, and reach out to people, get on a phone, get on a video call. Yeah, I did one for, I realized I had missed my friend Russ's birthday. I didn't even send him a text and I felt terrible. He's a close friend. He was my camp counselor way back in the day. So I sent out an email to him and a bunch of the guys. I said, we're going to do a virtual happy hour slash birthday celebration for Russ. And I found this one, this, this guy we used to call Ski. He um, hadn't been in touch with anyone in like over 10 years. And so on a, on a whim, I reached out to him on Facebook. He said, yeah, I'd love to join. So he was my special guest star. And so wow. it's, it's, yeah. And so it's cool because, you know, many of us can, you can connect with people that you haven't connected with in years. And in a way, the pandemic kind of, you know, forced your hand on that, which is, so there are some upsides, but that's Yeah, that's the blessing. Absolutely. That's good advice, Dan. I'll give a quick, um, good stuff entry myself. I just started a new, um, watching a documentary on Netflix. It's about a hospital called Lenox Hill. And it's a hospital that I guess was kind of 
um, sleepy and kind of uh, underserved and under-resourced in the shadows of the more illustrious New York medical institutions, and it had been revived. And so this is, it's, it's, but it's, a, it's the best kind of documentary. It seems like all the conversations are genuine. And what blew my mind was they showed one of the central figures is this guy, Dr. John Bookfar, who happens to be my fraternity brother. And wow. it, yeah, he's three years younger than me. And in college, I'll be honest, he was a little bit of a dink, but, but he clearly has done very well for himself. I shouldn't say that. We're, we're, all, we're all a little uppity when we're, you know, uh, 17 and a half years old. So I recommend this. Lennox Hill, it's, it's so far, I'm only a couple episodes in, but um, just compelling stuff. Like you'll see the doctor go in and operate on this. It's not for the faint of heart, by the way. There's some medical stuff. You'll see him operating mm-hmm. on a brain, on a brain and say, oh, that looks like cancer. I didn't expect to see that. And you're seeing that in real time. So drama. Interesting. Yes. So thanks to you, Diane DeResta. I hope you had fun. Once again, the website is DeResta.com. Thanks for being a good sport. And um, yeah, people got you got to get out there and walk on the grass. Have you walked on the grass mm-hmm. yet today? No, I haven't. I've been <laughs> indoors all day. Maybe. Me too. I got to get out. Well, we've known that trick about the bare feet since the movie Die Hard mm-hmm. when, when Bruce, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis shows up and tries to beat jet lag by taking off his shoes. But then the terrorists <laughs> attack and things go down. Well, you've seen the movie, people. Christmas movie. Here we go. All right. Um, I have to get to the show close. I think I need a cup of coffee, Diane. Thanks for joining me. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. You want to be on this show, email me, david at pod617.com. On behalf of my new best friend, Diane DeResta, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. She's not, but that's okay. If you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Get outside. Go do something.